I'm Alex Melia, and this is Our Voices, a stage for real people to tell the real stories we never get to hear. In today's episode, we find out what happens when you combine raw talent and a couple of chance encounters with the dedicated pursuit of your passions. I was in pain, but I did get up and race and it was touch and go whether we'd get it. But it was just pure grit that got me through that race. And I really was proud of that medal. This is Susie Rogers, a former Paralympic swimmer. Over her eight year professional career, she claimed 30 international medals, including three freestyle bronzes in London 2012. Then in Rio 2016, she went one better and claimed two freestyle bronze medals and a gold medal in the 50 meter butterfly. I was born with my disability. I I was born missing the lower part of my left leg and left arm and with some kind of malformations in my right leg and foot. So I've pretty much worn prosthetic limbs since I was a kid. Growing up, her parents told her to feel that she was just like everybody else. And just get out there and live my best life, I suppose, and be independent. Um, And I was fortunate, obviously, growing up in the UK that I had access to the NHS and I could have prosthetic limbs, and I was able to kind of mostly do that. This appreciation of what she had, coupled with her grounded and positive upbringing, enabled her to develop a winning attitude that's been a huge contributor to her success. Water has always been a massive part of Susie's life. I really have always, since I was a kid, enjoyed being in in the sea or in oceans. And so open water swimming is my thing, definitely, now. But let's take this back to the start. Back when Susie was growing up in the 1980s and the 1990s. Definitely when I was growing up, the exposure or awareness of disability was definitely not as it is today. I mean, it's, I think social media's done a lot to change that and you can see a lot of people being a lot more confident about their differences rather than hiding them. But I would definitely say that I would try to sort of keep things a bit more hidden. Just blending in, really. I'd say that was my, my phrase, was blending in. I tended to find that people would just make assumptions about things that you could and couldn't do without giving you that chance. I mean, never on the side of my parents, but certainly when I was at school, I would be left in the library rather than being taken down to the tennis courts to kind of be part of the tennis activities or physical activities. And I remember also doing a routine in the gym once. They were told to make up a floor routine. And obviously, you know, it's not as easy when you're wearing a prosthetic arm and leg to kind of go on a pommel horse and try to jump over it. But um, I just made up this floor routine that was basically adapted and would involve things, the equipment that I knew. And I remember looking at the teacher and seeing her sort of chuckling away. Yes, unfortunately, you heard that right. Her teacher was chuckling away. Her teacher may not have wanted her to see that, but children pick up on these things and this has stayed with her. I think that's why I naturally assumed that I wouldn't be involved in sport at any particular level. It would just be something that would be a hobby. You know, when she was chuckling, it was slightly in a patronising way. It's like, oh, look at her trying, you know, kind of thing. And it's, it is frustrating because, you know, I'm living a normal life like everybody else. There's no, it's just some things take a little bit longer or might need a bit more adaptation. Um, it's really frustrating. We're just like everybody else, you know. Despite this type of encounter happening throughout her childhood, Susie thankfully continued playing sport and doing the activities she loved. 
When she went to university, she found a disability swimming club, which is where she met her trainer, Pat. And he was just really encouraging and said, you know, you've got real talent, have you not considered it before? And that was the only point that someone with that experience in the disability space had actually identified that I had talent. Pat had a passion for helping people with disabilities, especially swimmers. Susie's life would be on a totally different trajectory now if she had not been fortunate enough to meet Pat, someone that believed in her and gave her the support to be great. I've met key people like that throughout my career. There is another person who I'm still very close to, a woman called Michelle Weltman. So Michelle and Pat are just people that are selfless givers, really, and just want to do their best to support the athletes and are very much at the kind of grassroots level. And, you know, those people are so important because whilst the coaches that get to elite level, obviously, they tend to get the glory, it is very much those people that you meet at the very early stages of your career as an athlete who can actually make or break your future career and guide you in that direction. Susie gladly received their guidance and committed to becoming the best athlete she could be with her sights set on the London Paralympics in 2012. But no journey to the podium is smooth. After many ups and downs, she managed to qualify and was swimming near her personal best. But three months out, I tore cartilage in my knee. It was a bit of a footballer's injury, actually, but it was weird because I did it doing a backstroke start off the wall. Basically, the, the cartilage tore, but then got stuck in my knee joint, so I couldn't straighten my knee. And I remember just, you know, it's my only good knee, so I couldn't actually walk or anything. I had to have an operation, and that was... I was told at that point, well, you're going to lose muscle tone in your quads. It's going to be hard for you to build back, but, you, you know, we can't promise anything, but we'll try and make sure that you're at the Paralympic Games. And three months out, my coach basically gave up and almost sort of said to me, well, that's it then, that's over. And I just refused to give up. I mean, you can't miss a home Games. And even if I'd gone there and just, you know, done the heats and not even made the finals, that would have been an achievement because it was just the experience of being there as well. But then I'm not someone that can go and just say, oh, I just want to experience it. You know, I'm, I'm like, if I'm going to go there, I'm going to try. You know, I'm not going to, even if I'm injured, I'm just give it a go, you know. I had good people around me as well who were very encouraging. You know, I had a great physio on the team, a guy called Paul. He was like, you know, it is possible. And, and so I had people to kind of support me and say, look, don't worry. You know, you can still be there. You can still race. And I think all it needed was someone to say that. And then I thought, OK, well, if that's possible, then I'll just, you know, work at it. The only option to her at this point was to commit religiously to her rehab. Keeping herself moving even when she wasn't able to get in the water, the pain, the grit and the determination paid off. I remember walking out, my first race was the 100 back and I wasn't really going to be necessarily doing brilliantly in that race anyway I was just sort of doing it to because it was one of my races but I wasn't expecting to medal and I remember walking out it was just so unreal to kind of take it in because you were basically like a rock star <laughs> and you know I'm not remotely someone who's famous or well known but equally I mean I was the only GBR swimmer in the race so there was like an absolute roar and it was full of people I was just amazed at like how packed it was at the Paralympics which is you know great. And that raucous 2012 crowd in London kept cheering for her throughout the competition. I ended up going and winning three bronze medals and setting a personal best in my 400 free, which was incredible at the time. And it's a European record, which I still hold. Back when her coach gave up on her, 
the easy thing to do would have been to let the Paralympic dream slip away. But as they say, nothing good comes easy. A saying Susie could easily adopt as her motto in future competitions as well. I'd had like food poisoning 48 hours before the event. I'd been pulled out of a few individual races because I'd also got a really bad shoulder and neck problem. The event she's talking about was the Glasgow World Championships in 2016. My neck had completely stiffened up and I couldn't rotate my head to actually breathe very easily. We'd made it into the final and it was the 4 by 100 metre medley final. And they needed me to do the last leg of it, to do the 100 metre freestyle at the end. I just remember thinking, like, I feel awful. (laughs) And uh, I was in pain, but I did get up and race and brought the gold home. It was touch and go whether we'd get it, but it was just pure grit that got me through that race. And I really was proud of that medal because I knew again that the teammates knew I wasn't well. I knew I wasn't well, but, you know, still managed to kind of do what I needed to do. She certainly did. Since retiring as an athlete, Susie has been involved with many charities and organisations, advising them on disabilities, empowerment and inclusion. The core of her message is to break down the us and them barrier. So not making an assumption that because someone has a disability that they are not going to be leading a life like theirs, you know. Obviously there's added barriers and challenges and it is slightly different, but equally... I go to the shops, I sort of run my home, I do all of these things, I go out socialising. You know, it's it's that awareness that there's not an us and them situation. And I think for people that know you and their experience of being around people with disabilities, there's just no, that is totally, they get that and there's no issue with it. I think it's when people don't have any experience of disability or they, they don't know. But I mean, the thing is, everybody will probably face some kind of disability at some point in their lives. You might break your leg and temporarily lose the, the use of your leg. I mean, I know it's not, you can't compare that to someone like me, who's obviously not going to be able to regain that function. But, you know, it's still it's still a temporary state that where you're having to, you know, laterally think and realise how challenging it is to, you know, navigate transport systems and things like that. So I think we all need to kind of not try and run away from it, but accept that it's it's there within our population. And also, you know, particularly COVID, it's massively disproportionately impacted on people with disabilities. And the, the majority of deaths have very much been people with disabilities in this country alone. In the UK, we like to think of ourselves as having a caring society and where people with a disadvantage are supported and looked after. Until Susie mentioned this, I couldn't have envisaged how much people with disabilities have been disproportionately affected by the pandemic. In the UK, one in five people have a disability. But according to the Office for National Statistics, three in five of the deaths due to COVID have been people with disabilities. It's that kind of forgotten group that tends to not be discussed you know when people look at disability it's not just physical impairments it's visual hearing learning difficulties or learning impairments you know intellectual disabilities I mean there's there's a really wide umbrella of different things that come under disability so I also don't like lumping everybody into one group I mean I don't really feel that people should be put into boxes it's more about the individual and who they are that I think is important. I I really struggle with labels, but I understand that it's the way to kind of rationalise and understand it when it's quite complex. We all have a decision to make when we are disrespected or insulted in some way. We can either give up or keep going. 
Thankfully, Susie chose the latter when she faced teachers, students and others laughing at her expense. She chose the difficult route and her efforts have resulted in achievements many of us could only dream of. Susie is an inspiration to everyone, not just aspiring disabled Olympians. As she says, it's not an us and them mentality. We're all human beings. Let's break down the barriers for disabled people so that they can have the same opportunities everyone else has. The good news is that there are so many incredible initiatives, organisations and role models supporting inclusiveness in the UK and worldwide. Susie is a public speaker and works with many charities and organisations helping disabled people. She is using her achievements and status to give back to others what she perhaps didn't have when she started out on her journey. If you want to keep in touch with the show and be the first to find out what's coming up next, go to our website, www.ourvoicespodcast.com or follow us on Instagram and Facebook. The links are in the show notes. And if you haven't already, give us a quick follow in your favorite podcast app. See you for another incredible story next week. <laughs>